All right, let's do this. This is season number four of the On to Something podcast. My name is Zane Witcher, and this is a podcast for those who are walking in the first third of life or people who are wanting to learn how to lead and walk with those who are in the first third of life. Season four has been kicking off with interviews. We've been interviewing different people that are talking about or embodying some of the topics that we've talked about on the On to Something podcast. And usually these conversations are the foundations of what helps you thrive in the first third of life. So today we're bringing on someone who I've admired and I've seen do just great, great things, especially around some other friends that I have. Her name is Sarah Brooks. If you're not following her, you need to stop, drop, roll, go move over to whatever social media that she has and follow her when uh, quarantine hit for a lot of people. She's one of the voices and accounts that I pointed people towards because I just felt like, one, she is like creative, hilarious, but also uh, very thoughtful in how she interacts and engages online as a helpful voice that I trust and I would hope that you would find trustworthy as well. She uh, talks a lot about just don't forget that when you're thinking about investing in people, you're working with literally people. Uh, We also talk about how exposure is really important to being able to mature and have awareness. I really especially enjoyed our conversations on how creative she is with her family, giving people permission. She also, hang on till the very end, she does an answer just about evaluating a space that you leave and evaluating what the voices are with it. So basically like the social media after you're done scrolling, if you take a second to center and ask yourself, uh, how do I feel right now? Uh, that may give you an indication of the voices that you're laying into your life. Thought it was really good, great conversation. And without further ado, here's Sarah Brooks. Sarah, you want to tell us where where did you find peace in your home to do this podcast? Are you bunkered in a closet somewhere right now? Uh, bunkered is, that's a great verb. Um, I am locked in my room. I basically just, bribed with everything that I knew in my power I could actually bribe them with my kids to stay in their rooms and then I went ahead and locked my door just as an added safety measure nice wow because you're you're padded in there you're good to go oh man I mean you have to I have three boys man like it's it's like lord of the flies up in here during quarantine (laughs) you gotta take extreme measures (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. We'll, we'll see if they still find a way to break through while this podcast is happening. Oh, I'm 50. I, they probably will. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're 50, yeah. 50. Okay. All yeah. right. Oh, yeah. That's right. where, okay. that's where I'm, I'm landing right now. I mean, I've got, okay. I've got faith in them. Okay. So this will, this will be really interesting because uh, whether you and I can pull it off or not, this will probably be the longest conversation you and I have actually had with each other. Nothing like the longest conversation being a recorded conversation, but yeah, well, that's, that's where true. we are. Yeah. It is. We we were going to have breakfast a couple months ago mm. with other people. Oh, should clarify man. that with you and your wife and other people. And then you guys lost your keys or something, and then didn't make it to breakfast. Oh, so oh, wow. Yep. Care lost her wallet, and we went That's back. And somehow, out of that massive race, someone had the grace of God in them <laughs> to take the time <laughs> to, to pick up her wallet and bring it to the lost. I mean, I remember driving back. It was like a 30 minute drive. I was like, there's no yes. way in 30 minutes. There's like, it, what, at least 16,000 people like down there. That's probably like, Oh yeah. A it's a massive point. race. Yeah. yeah. And, and someone, someone, I guess was just feeling right that day and brought us back the wall, but we missed, we missed that opportunity, which was a real bummer. But I know. That, I was super. Yeah, I was like, "Tell them to come," and we all were completely finished with our food. And we're like, "At what point do we just call this?" <laughs> yep. Yep. You just walk yeah. away. You just go out the yeah. back, and like the invite never even happened. I know. Yeah. I mean, that was a bummer. But so I'm glad we're making it up via recorded conversation now. For sure. For sure. All about it. What do you introduce people with when they uh, like when you have to like? socially like engage and like saying like this is who I am what information does Sarah Brooks give people when introducing herself I it is the most awkward introduction every single time um like the elevator pitch for my life I still don't have it down 
And so I, I panic, which then looks shady. And so every time I introduce myself and people ask what I do, I'm like, what? you know, and they're like, what is happening right now? Um, so to be honest, I don't, I don't know. I tell some, I tell different things every single time I meet people, but the base of what I do, like boil it all down is I'm a professional extrovert. (laughs) 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 I I work a whole lot with, um, teenagers and at risk teenagers, especially, and I do ministry and I speak and, it, it all over the map. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. See, that was awkward. I don't. I don't know. I gotta work. On no, it. I don't. I don't. I don't even feel like that one was awkward. I feel like actually that opening line is very winsome because like all the Enneagram sevens were like, "Oh my goodness, we have found our person over this podcast." And like, <laughs> oh, that's yeah. You know to like beware of like I'm not gonna get too close to Sarah because she just let me know she's a professional at being an extrovert. Oh, seriously. Well, and I'm married to a professional introvert, and so I I, I, I sympathize. Yeah, I feel I feel for my introverts, but I'm definitely not. I don't understand them, but I you know I feel that I understand a little bit from my husband. Dang. Who could give you like a one sentence answer of, of his life, you know? And meanwhile, I'm like, well, how much time we got? <laughs> right. Which he's like, he's like in the finance world, right? With like, is it Six Flags? He is. He works for, um, it sounds, he works for Six Flags, which sounds a lot funner than it is. You know, my boys <laughs> thought that he like rode roller coasters for a living. <laughs> Dang, then they went to his crazy. office. Yeah. They went to his office and they were like, what is this? let down yeah so now they call it you know he works at the corporate offices and so they call it when we go to his office they're like are we going to daddy's six flags or fun six flags that's how they do it burn i know i know okay but he can be very like precise i'm gonna use a couple words that's all i need to do with life and you're like up and oh yeah Oh yeah, he leave. He doesn't use enough words, and I use way too many, and so we balance each other well. Oh wow, yeah. Now we definitely know that you're a writer because that was a real artistic way of saying that. <laughs> of no. saying I talk too much. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Tell me about creative adjustments in life right now, because as we're recording this, we're still somewhat in the quarantine world. Like what? What's your family doing adjustment-wise that's creative in the midst of this? Oh, man. I mean, the online schooling. So I have three boys. Two are in elementary school. One is in preschool. But all of them have either assignments. I mean, have actual schoolwork or, like, Zoom calls with their class or instructional Mm. Zoom. Or uh, it, it has been a crazy world. And I don't do like I don't do still very well. I don't do mm. confinement very well. And so we have, man, we've taken so many field trips and uh, like my kindergartner missed his first ever field trip in kindergarten during this. And he was so bummed. And so uh, we did, I played it up real big and we drove to his school and pretended like we were getting on a school bus. And then we drove back home and we did a virtual field trip. And then I drove them back to the school to get back in our normal car and drove back. (laughs) Um, We're coming up with all kinds of things where I'm like, we can't make this normal, but we can make this fun. I feel like. That's that's a strength of yours. Well, I was about to say, I, yeah, I'm really good. And I can say this because it's not a marketable skill. I wish that it was, but I'm really good at, at the very, very, very last minute being like, (gasps) you know what we need is a karaoke machine. I mean, like I can come up with these ideas at the very last minute that sometimes work out awesome, sometimes don't. But another way we've been super creative is like, this is a good example. One day I was like, well, obviously what we need is a giant battleship game. And my husband's like, why would that be something that we need in a pandemic? (laughs) And I'm like, because you can play it in driveways, you know, six feet apart. And he's like, this is ridiculous. Well, I made it. And like, I just oh, played no it way. yesterday with another friend of mine. Yeah. I made a giant life-size version of, well, not life-size because battleships are massive, but an <laughs> extra large version of battleship. And we play it in people's driveways. 
that it's is fantastic. awesome. Yeah, life size, you gotta be careful with. You could write a check that you can't cash. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, life size is definitely not, not, the, not the word I needed right then, but <laughs> larger, larger than normal. That's dope. That's dope. And even like the thing that I appreciate with the small, like, pieces I've seen of just your story is like, I appreciate just the full send that you go with things. So like, uh, like with, the, with the boys field trip, didn't you like, you like force them to get out of the truck and actually like oh, sit, yeah. <laughs> sit in the front of the school. You drove off, put a sign on the truck and then drove back. Right? <laughs> yes. I mean, it's Zane, it's in the details. You know what I mean? It's in it the is. details. No, I appreciate so, that. Yeah. I literally made them get, I even packed them sack lunch <laughs> because that's what you eat on field trips. So I made them sit on a bench at the front of their school and wait for the school bus. And then I drove off and then tap, taped a, a sign on my car that said school bus and drove back around. I'm all and they were like, it. what is this? Yeah, no, it, it was fantastic. But honestly, I mean, when we all look back on this, I don't think we're going to talk about how efficient we all were. I think we're going to talk about these kinds of things, like ways we had to be creative and how much fun it was or not fun, but just the craziness of the journey, you know? Yeah. I think, I think one of the things I'm hoping for is that when we get, when we get out of this season, I hope, and maybe I need to start challenging people this more, but like, I want to hear like a testimony piece that came out of like this time, like, I want to hear like what you discovered of yourself or what you started doing mm. or what you stopped doing while you were in the season yeah. of just a, um, yeah, I endured it. Like I saw a, I saw a, 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 a meme that was like, what, <laughs> what like quarantine is actually like. And it was just someone on their bed scrolling through their phone. And then the second picture beside it was what I'll tell my grandkids one day. And it was a picture of Will Smith from I Am Legend. Like, like I don't want oh, us awesome. to do a dichotomy. I want us to like actually have actually something. Do it. We can Man, like- I'm not kidding. Yeah. it Quarantine has been the weirdest, but also I have seen so many incredible things come out of quarantine. Um mm-hmm. I don't even know if we have enough time to talk about it, but I totally, I'm right with you. I don't want to get to the end of this and be like, whoo, we made it barely. You know, I want to get to the end of this and, and really be, be hesitant to jump right back into regular life. I mean, I think there, we have a, a real chance here where it feels like a divine pause that gives us a chance to just really reevaluate and reimagine and dream and, and figure out, okay, how can we do quote unquote real life better? Um, I don't know. I'm excited to, I'm hopeful and I'm the same way. I'm really hopeful that we're different in really awesome ways because we have a real chance to Mm -hmm. think about it and to reimagine right now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've even, we've even talked about as a church staff, like, whenever we finally like get back together in 2027, we've talked about, (laughs) we've talked about the idea of like, what would, what would it be like for our first service back, at least service in person of giving people space to reintegrate and not just assume everything that we were doing before is everything that we're going to get back to doing. Um, but actually giving people a place to mourn and also a place to mm. uh, like redecide some life pieces before we just assume yeah. okay everything's back and we go to it. So I mean that's one that's just one of many ways of how you and I were just talking about it just then. Yeah, I mean, man, I it, what's been so fascinating to me about church, well, really about life in general, is I feel like I feel like God has stripped away a lot of idols that needed to be stripped away. Um, but some of them are surprising. Some of them are, you know, just busyness. I think we chase busyness because it makes us feel important. Well, when you don't have that anymore, you're suddenly like, Oh no, who am I? What do I do? What, what is my life? Um, you know, and in church, even, I think we can make church an idol, which sounds weird maybe, but I think we rely so heavily on our programs or as a church member, Mm -hmm. we rely so heavily on our pastors And Mm -hmm. when that's not available, suddenly you're like, okay, have we as a church 
been doing what we've said we've been doing where we've been equipping people and they can now do this on their own or mm. are we in a place where suddenly no one knows what to do because we've never allowed them to stretch yep. these muscles that we say we do yep. you know mm. um yep. like are we when when people cannot come to our building to receive hope are we actually going out and carrying the hope to other people like we say we are i mean it's just i feel like it's it's really unearthed um, some, maybe some disconnect between what we say and, and on our heart, what we want to be and what we actually are. Mm-hmm. And I'm here for that. I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. let's sit in this question. Let's sit in this tension and do it better. Mm. Wow. There you go, Zane. Mic yeah. drop. Yeah. Okay. Apparently we're done. <laughs> I mean, that was it. Okay. Right well, it's good to see. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's, there, yeah, just the, I, yeah, I just appreciate those words because it, it really does reveal like where, where are we actually seeking formation from? Do we see that as like something that happens individually that we also do communally? Or is it like right. you're just um, relying on things that you didn't know? And I think like the kindness of God is that. God doesn't want us shamed over it. God just wants it right. revealed. And the spirit prompts us to move a different direction or reorient right. in another direction. So yeah, I'm I yeah, was hundred percent tracking. If I had a church choir back here, we would press that button. Oh. Like, <laughs> okay, so um, one of the one of the reasons that I I want your voice to just come in and speak to the space and the people that listen is that a lot of people. Um, that listen to this podcast are either investing in people right now or they're launching into a place in life where they know that they need to do mutual investing of mm-hmm. there's probably people I need to invest in. And there's probably also um, some voices that I also need to invest into my direction in life. And one of right. the things that people speak so highly of you about is how, um, how much you just naturally invest in the people around you in a way that's not Mm. always formal. It's just very organic. And I wanted you to be able to just talk about a little bit of like some of those pieces. So um, of course you invest in the boys. Um, Mm -hmm. What, what other, what other people do you invest in right now? So right now I primarily, um, I primarily work with a few demographic slash organizations. One of them works with, it's called teen life and it works with at risk, mm-hmm. mostly at risk, um, teenagers. Mm-hmm. And I am partnered with a school in downtown Fort Worth and man, the kids that I get to be friends with are incredible and mm-hmm. live very, very different lives than how I grew up and how, mm-hmm. probably many of us listening <laughs> grew up or, or grew up or are still living. Um, so that's amazing. I love my teenagers. Um, I work with another organization that goes, works with women in the sex industry. And so, um, part of what I get to do for Jesus is go love on strippers and dancers and not something I grew up aspiring. I didn't know that was a thing you could do for Jesus. And has also been, I mean, it's incredible. It's one of the hardest things I've ever done, but also just, holy moly, the ways he shows up and, and chases his people is amazing. Um, and then I do a lot of speaking to, that's kind of a wide variety of people, but mostly like young moms or teenagers. I do a lot of speaking to teenagers or sometimes, sometimes Zane, sometimes Sometimes. mixed crowds. (laughs) Oh, I'll hold whatever is between the lines of that sentence together for the, (laughs) got it. Got it. What, um, here's a question that I could see a lot of people thinking of, like when they hear all those different groups, which is just a, like one, just like to affirm you of the amount. I I'm just so convinced that like a lot of being able to grow and mature and also to see God's kingdom is just exposure. Like oh, people, just need, yes. people just need exposure. Yeah. You know, sometimes people are like, Oh, they're hard hearted or they're judgmental. And I think at the core, it's just, it's exposure. It's not people trying mm-hmm. to like say things that are awful, terrible right? things or, you know, anyway. So when I hear that, I'm like, wow, that is, that's just a very like commendable way of operating in life to make sure that you're in those different pockets. One, one of the questions I could, 
I could see and hear people thinking is that's incredible. Uh, Yeah. How, how do I, how do I live every day in a place where I'm thinking of looking outside of myself? Because, you know, like we wake up, the alarm hits, um, we're trying to make it through the day. And before we know it, we're hitting the bed and we're like, I survived, but I felt like I spent most of my energy and day focusing on me surviving. What, what would you kind of say contributes to like being able to look outside yourself and, um, yeah, just be in that. Yeah. I love what you said about exposure. Cause I agree, you know, it's so much is just perspective and hearing other people's stories. Um, it's easy to read a story about someone, but to learn a story from that person is very different. And a lot of times we, we want to, I, I just talked about this on Sunday, but a lot of times we look for ways to share our faith and, Part of me is like, oh, let's let's rein that in a little bit and look for ways to share our life first. I mm. think I think we get that reversed. Mm. And okay. so I guess the advice I would give, which is how I ended up in working where I'm working, is um, I I asked God straight up, like, okay, I don't even know what I'm good at. I don't know what I like to do. I like people. Mm. That feels vague. So I don't even, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what to do. I don't commit to things well, so I'm not going to be your self-starter who starts something amazing, but Mm. I am your best champion. I'll jump aboard whatever you're doing. And so I was led to these organizations that were doing things I wanted to do. Mm. And I, I feel like the more you are exposed to something you are passionate about, the more you start seeing it in the rest of your life. You know, so I, um, initially got started with these teenagers and I had always loved teenagers, but I really got exposed to kids living in just really, really, really hard situations. And the more I realized how, how blessed and privileged I was in my own life, the more Mm -hmm. I started to see it pop up around me, like at my local Kroger, I, I just, it, it shifts your, you almost get new eyes to see, okay, I don't have to go over there to find hurting people. turns out they're actually everywhere around me. I just haven't been looking Mm -hmm. super clearly, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. you know, find something you're passionate about. I would say, um, and then find somebody who's killing it at that with that demographic or, or if you're an IT person and you want to, I mean, whatever your, your penchant is, there are people probably doing it around you that you can get on board with. And it kind of just naturally flows into the rest of your life. I feel like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, Do you think that's true? I'm kind of thinking out loud. Is that, does that sound true? (laughs) No, I think now, first of all, like if anyone thinks that podcasting is anything other than thinking out loud, they're greatly mistaken. That that is what this world is. Um, I think, Man, I I go back to your statement in the beginning of like living, like like sharing life before sharing like um, worldview and faith claim, because usually right. those go like one hand with the other. Now I can feel like I can feel David Meyer just like slowly creeping in wherever he is. He's like, man, I'm ready for this conversation. <laughs> so I won't take it like an evangelism turn, but I think I just, I found that line really beautiful of just like do life, do life in some areas, either that you're looking for or just to insert yourself in. And then you may find more of those conversations organically just happening. Oh, hundred. you know, yeah. I mean, I think that, I guess that's, and not even just with evangelism, just in life in general, we yep. think, well, I want to, I want to have a purpose. I want to do something. I want to, I want to do something important. And I think that we have placed that on a, on a pedestal that is sometimes unattainable. I, I think we have majorly overcomplicated the process. I think that as you go, wherever you are, people are lonely and they need a friend. You know, I have one of my great, greatest mentors and friends, told me once every time she walks into a room, which I'm sure, I don't know that it's like literally every time, but I, probably cause this is sounds how she is. Good she's, it that. sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. She's like, when I walk into a room, I look around for who looks like they need a friend and that's who I go to. Huh? Wow. And I love that. And I, and you'll never not find somebody. That's the thing. We've, we just make it so hard. And I'm like, well, tell me about your neighbors. Oh, I don't actually know my neighbors. Okay. Well, they're actually built in right next door to you. So go meet them, you know, (laughs) 
or right. I, I just don't know what to do. Well, tell me about what coffee shop do you go to? Do you know the people who work there? Well, no. Okay, we'll start there. Start with those mm-hmm. people. Start with people that live next to you. Like, it's really not that complicated. And once you start sharing life, then you gain the exposure and the perspective and the you learn other people's stories and you start living more outside of yourself. And, you know, it's just kind of a cyclical thing. I feel like it feeds into mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, most definitely. And it, and it keeps like the intentions open as far as like right. one point of friendship is that there isn't any like unforeseen yeah whole going at the relationship dynamic in the in the beginning now you talked about having a mentor that said that to you i'd be interested to hear just like you talk about um how you've given certain people permission to speak into your life Mm. or your world um i've even heard a statement or two of you uh saying once or twice of like yeah i had i had someone call me out for this um i'd really Mm. love to know like what what kind of built that um, to where that voice when it came time was there? Because I feel like a lot of times we're like, right. yeah, I need that voice. We run into a situation in life and then we're like, oh, shoot, I should have really had voices around me before I landed. Right. How do you, how'd and you where do I find them? That? Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you referencing people calling me out? Are you referencing my four-year-old yesterday who asked me when I was going to apologize to him for how rude I'd been during the virus? No, but he counts, I guess. <laughs> my word, little turd. Uh, <laughs> precious little turd, but you know. Yeah, so man, I feel for, I remember being a young married, I got married really young, like had uh-huh. one semester of college left, which is a whole other story. That was not at all my plan, but that, mm. you know, things happen. Um, that sounded suspicious. I fell in love when we got married. That's what happened. It just wasn't on the table. There we go. There we go. There were no drugs being dealt at that time. No, yeah, that sounded super shady. Uh, it wasn't shady at all. It just was <laughs> earlier than I thought it would be. Um, but I remember, like, I grew up in Tennessee, and then I moved to Texas, went to school here, and then we stayed here, mm-hmm. and we we live in the city that my husband is from. And mm-hmm. so he had built in, I mean, this was his home. Like it, he had a built in home and relationships and mentors and all of these things. And I had moved far away and I didn't know anybody. And mm-hmm. being a newlywed, starting your first career out of college, I mean, newlywed or not, starting your first career, those young adult years are so hard. People don't yeah. talk about, I don't feel like I was prepared for how hard those years would be. Um, Mm. they're great. Sure. But they're also really hard. And I remember this, it's almost like a panicky feeling of like, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't have anyone to tell me like all my life, people have told me what to do. And suddenly I'm just an adult and I'm supposed to, I'm expected to just do this thing. Like, I don't, I'm not, I'm unprepared. I don't have anyone to bounce these things off of. I mean, I had my parents, but they were, you know, eight hours away. So you know, honestly, I had a lot of, because my husband grew up here, he had so many people in his life that poured over into my life. And so truthfully, I was very lucky to kind of have a built-in system where people took me under their wing. But um, we got pregnant really quickly after we got married, and was- which is another curveball. Like a year into marriage, we got pregnant. Um, which again is fine, but I was 22, you know, that's young, really young. And none of our friends were anywhere close to that stage of life. And so again, I find myself Mm -hmm. in a place where I'm like, Oh my goodness, I'm supposed to be a mom. Yeah. So I remember I started going to this ladies Bible study. That's what it was called, which made me, I was like, am I a lady? Can I go to like, what is this? this. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It sounded awful and it it totally changed my life because I started being in just in the vicinity of older women who had been where I'd been and they were they were in various generations. I mean there would there would be one right in the generation above me and then two generations and then like our super old sweet friends, you know. Um but just even being next to them and getting to watch them live life And being able to be in a place where I could ask questions that naturally fostered relationships. You know, I've, I've heard advice on like, just if you want a mentor, go and ask them. 
And I think that's great. But I also think it can happen naturally if you are in vicinity with people in different generations. So however that comes, you know, if you're not ever rubbing shoulders with someone older than you or younger than you, then that's not going to happen. Yeah. So I think just being in a place where I had the ability to foster those relationships, man, it shifted everything. And suddenly I had this whole tribe of women that adopted me and loved me and let me like freak out about my kids and told me it was gonna be fine. And I just didn't realize how much I needed that. Mm -hmm. And it has continued to evolve as my kids get older. And now I get to do that with, you know, newlyweds or young adults or whatever. I get to pass it on, which is awesome and weird. I'm like, please take half of my advice. I I still don't feel like an established adult, even though (laughs) I look at and Life stage says yes. I don't know, though. Yeah, you're looking at them and you're like, look, I'm only half of a lady. Like, I, I only yeah, have I, yes. mm-hmm. experience mm-hmm. with lady Bible class. So that take it, take right. what I say. <laughs> right. I don't know how to make a casserole. So I'm I sure I, I get to take a point there. <laughs> that's weird that that's associated, but I completely clicked with it when you said it of like, oh, yeah, that's that's one of the visuals for some strange reason that I have. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm at, like, if you look at the Susie Homemaker, truly, I'm the worst woman if those are my standards. <laughs> I'm just awful at it. <laughs> But it's okay. I don't have to be that. So that's a separate conversation too. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So you kind of talked a little bit on uh, if you're, you know, looking for an older voice to speak into, you really spoke into that. Could you talk, could you talk for a minute on what have you learned on the other side? So um, mm. flipping it of like, what, what, what have you learned when uh, investing and pouring into uh, some of your like students and young adults that, yeah see and maybe like maybe also throw in like what's a suggestion that you'd give someone of like yeah I've got this relationship that's kind of developed what would be your piece of advice as I keep hanging out with this person when we use the word mentorship it feels just so formal it feels Mm -hmm. like a thing that you have to do right or wrong and Mm. I think it I think it's a it's it's a lot simpler than we've made it out to be and it's more natural but also you know, in being poured into um, that, I think you can have time, like you can, you can have weekly meetings where you have an agenda and you do very specific things, or you can just be in relationship with that person. And either way you can call it mentorship. And so half of the time, when I say I was poured into, that was not like a a formal thing that we did. It was more of them just listening to me Mm -hmm. and telling me it was going to be okay. And when it came down to it, they gave me some advice, but most of it was just being okay, like being a sounding board and being a safe place for me to just verbalize anything and everything. And, you know, I don't think I recognized that until I started doing it to others and realized, oh man, I don't actually have that much to tell you, but I I can create a whole lot of space to listen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you may have questions and I, I would be happy to, you know, give you some advice here and there. But for the most part, people just want a safe place and they want to know that people are interested and they care and they can bounce ideas off of them. And, you know, you don't have to have the answers. You just need to be a good listener. Yeah. So true. I mean, I, I would say you really don't even need any answers. You just need to ask good questions. And usually that develops enough of the soil to where things grow that you couldn't have even planned to grow there in between. Right. Or if you did plan, they're going to grow better because you're, you don't have expectations of what it's supposed to look like, you know? And so as far Mm -hmm. as how to, how to do that, I mean, I don't know. I just, I think we've lost the art of sitting with people and just living life with them, good and bad. Mm -hmm. Um, We just sitting across from someone and having a conversation instead of following them and assuming that's, that is them pouring into you or you pouring into someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, No, that's just a follow, you know, you might Mm -hmm. get a good word, but that person doesn't know you. Yeah. So allowing people to know you and allowing yourself to be known, I feel like naturally lends itself towards conversations that you just can't, you, I don't know, you can't have otherwise. Okay. Can I, can I shift gears on you a little bit? Pivot. Pivot. 
pivot man that is that is the word of 2020 am i right like we just oh, put no that everywhere at this point have you um, seen the meme with the um finding nemo fish in the bags no. on the ocean uh-uh it's amazing okay well never mind then that was going to be a moment we bonded but it's gone Okay, here's what we will do when we post this podcast. We'll put that meme in there. That way, oh, all fantastic. Of yeah. it at the same time. All about it. We well, got I don't know if it's that funny, but we'll try. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> well, don't, don't take it down a couple notches. If you think it's funny, it probably really is funny. Because like, Well, I got nervous after you know when you try to tell a story and then it gets interrupted and you're like, okay, this is a decent story. It's not an interruptible story. Like if you interrupt, mm -hmm. it, it goes. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that meme might be the same way. But anyway, carry on, carry mm -hmm. on. We're good. We're yeah. good. Okay. All right. You've voiced before just having having awareness and um, mm -hmm. concern on just race as a whole. And even, even me saying that, I feel just a little bit weird because people phrase it of like, oh, like you care about like, racial reconciliation it's like i right that almost becomes problematic in of itself because it's not like a topic that you care about it's it's really like no this is a dynamic that needs to change that everyone needs right. to be caring about but would you mind just kind of sharing with people a little bit of your journey of strengthening your voice when it comes to you know realizing like privilege and that racism exists right, right now and prejudice and along those lines yeah, so I think I have, I kind of had a leg up compared to other people. And even like my husband, I mean, he was born and raised in Texas. And mm -hmm. uh, no, even saying that, not that it doesn't exist here, but um, I traveled to Africa several times in high school and mm -hmm. experienced that really opened my eyes to, I mean, just going to Africa as a white person. That we had experiences that I remember thinking like, this is not right. Um, hmm. and, it, and, it, and it wasn't because we were American because we had black, um, black friends from America who hmm. were with us on the trip. And it would just happen to white Americans. Like they would sit us up on a stage while everyone else had to sit on the ground or they would give us the seats of honor or things that I'm like, oh, hmm. I don't, this doesn't feel right. Um, yeah. So couple that with, I grew up, I spent most of my years growing up in Memphis, Tennessee, which is one of the most racially charged cities in America today. Mm -hmm. And so growing up in Memphis, white was the minority in Memphis. Mm -hmm. And there just was such tension um, in schools. I mean, there, segregation, if you think that is a, a an antiquated word, you're wrong. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I say that kindly, but, but boldly. Yeah. Um, it's just a very segregated city still. And I, and you see some of it changing, but, you know, growing up, I, I think I was just exposed to very obvious racial tensions in ways that some people weren't like if you lived in a small town and there just wasn't a whole lot, you know, you kind of a, yeah. um, an area where everyone kind of looks the same, you're maybe not as exposed to it as much, but I remember, I mean, even growing up, none of the black girls liked me and it was my life mission to make them like me. Cause I'm like, I'm not as white as you think I am. I mean, I remember those feelings of, I, I think we can be friends. I think we can make this happen. And so I think that's always in my, has been in my heart, but it wasn't until the past several years that I have had the language and the history and the, um, kind of the, I don't know, the, the ability to put all of that together like mm. my own experiences, I was then given the language for what I was seeing. Huh. And you couple mm. that together and it's like, okay, I knew it wasn't right. And now I know for sure it wasn't right. And I know how to talk about it. Not that, not that I'm an expert at all, but I can at least engage in conversation now mm. that I, I know, okay, okay. Yeah, you're right. This was not a thing that should have happened. And here's how we can move forward. Um, so that piece has been huge for me in recent years, just the education of, okay, we're past, well, ideally we're not, but we should be past the fact that this is still happening, right? Mm -hmm. um, we're not, but we should be. And we're now moving on to, okay, I, I shouldn't just not be a racist. I should be an anti-racist. And what does that mean? Mm -hmm. And how do I educate myself? And how do I yet again live life with people who don't look like me? Because I think that is, where those conversations happen, they don't happen on Facebook very well.
They happen yeah. with people, real people with real stories that you get to share in and they get to learn your story. Yeah, that's very organic with it. What um what's yeah. kind of what's kind of some of your thoughts? So like, you know, you you invest a lot in your boys. I know you've said you've said the phrasing of, you know, we're raising three gentlemen. Like what yeah. what's what's kind of your um thought process and also like any practices that you're thinking about with them of like I want them to be aware um right. of, of all of this to where like they they can walk out as grown adults also having having knowledge you know because they're not going to have some of the experiences that you had growing up so right well you know we have we have a lot of friends from all over the spectrum and I mean that in every sense of the word we have friends mm -hmm. um of every color we have friends from different languages we have friends all over the lgbt spectrum i mean like we have friends all over the map and um that has been man that is the most important thing to me as a mom of boys that i, I want to raise warriors of justice but i also want to raise boys who love well and if we are not in direct community with people to love then they're never going to learn. They're just going to learn stats on a, on a paper. They're going to learn ideas. They're not going to be able to put it into practice. And so, you know, we're very intentional about, we have people over all the time and we're always having dinner and we're, you know, we're always trying to just be in community with other people. And then from that, we get to talk to our boys about, okay, now you need to realize that your friend, his life is different because of the way he looks and it should not at all be that way, but it is. And so here are the ways that we combat that as a family. And mm -hmm. I think one of the most important ways we've done that aside from like knowing actual people, not just people from news reports, but actually like right. getting to know them. Right. Um, that is huge. You know, my boys come with me and help me as much as they can with the things I'm involved in, in the community, as much as it's safe and wise, cause they're still pretty young, but they help me or, or in times when, like when I, when I'm going out to uh, work with, you know, people in the sex industry, like they're probably not going to come tag along with that, but they, <laughs> they pray for me before I go. And we talk about how we're just going to go love people. And so they'll pray for that. And, you know, so they're still involved to some degree, but we also have an incredibly awesome, really I'm a hoarder, but we have so many books children's books that are in what I call our importance library. Uh -huh. And so I buy, I mean, if I see a book about race or about, you know, disabilities or about whatever, I buy it immediately okay. about kindness, about these things that matter. And my boys are hilarious because I'll bring a new book home or we'll get one from the library and they'll see like a homeless man on the cover of it. And they're like, Oh, is this another important oh. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm like, yes. They're like, can't we ever just read about dragons? <laughs> and we do have those books too. But I think that yeah. has been. I don't just try to educate myself with literature. We also have. There are so many great children's books that help break down these big important topics, and that's helped us to just foster some conversation with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, ni the nice part with like, with doing children's literature is it has to become simplistic. Like right. it, it can have depth to it. Like not saying that children's writing doesn't have depth, but like right. you, can't, you can't hide behind a lot of jargon or technicality. So it really helps get to the core to not only just for the kids, but also for everyone who's listening to the story. Oh, no kidding. There are times, I mean, we have, we have several MLK books. You know, just reading his story and just that whole movement, reading it in sim in simple words, it sounds ludicrous. I mean, we get to the end of the book and they're like, I don't understand why that happened. Like, it's it just feels like a really obvious answer that you don't do that to humans. You know, and you're like, yeah. I know, gosh, they've taken such a complex evil and made it so simple that my kids are like, I don't, you guys are dumb. Why didn't anyone <laughs> fix this, you know? <laughs> Like, like, what the hell? We're trying. I know. They're, they're so, they're like even more confused at the end. They're like, this is just stupid. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I just, I wanted you to talk about that for a minute because I, I, I see that there's some faithfulness that you're trying to do and make sure that you raise your boys with just awareness with that. And I think 
I think people are all about, or at least people should be all about it. They just don't always know where, where do they start with it? Yeah, man, I know. And I get it. And I felt that way, but I feel like a broken record, but it's people. Like you start with people, people are all around us all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, We just, it's just so easy to get in your little, like to live in Wally where you get in your little electronic car and you go wherever it takes you and you never think outside the box and mm-hmm. you know, but yeah. it, it is hard to, when you're teaching them to love people and see people from, from all, from everywhere. Um, it's hard because they're introduced to things that you kind of wish they weren't. <laughs> yeah. Um, or, you know, at our house, there might be like some f bombs dropped from friends that come over that you're like, oh man, I really wish you wouldn't have said that just now. But it's fine because you know what? We're learning and loving, and it gets yep. messy at times. But good grief, it's important. Yeah, yeah, no, it's so important. And I, I'm sure even like every once in a while, like I've like I've run into ministry moments where it's like I'm thinking about how other people are taking in things and processing, but then I'll run to something that's like oh, wow, I am not inevitable from this conversation or I have things that are revealed in me that I need to process and put out right. or um, be able to like correct my language on on it. So it just happens just across the board as a whole. Yes. I've been there. Get it. Yep. Okay, yep. well, uh, well do, we, uh, do we have a couple minutes for uh, some random questions? We'll just bounce yes. them around left field. You ready for it? can't wait okay i All love right. left field that's me in a nutshell <laughs> I mean, that's an overly positive thing but i feel that deeply you, you found your mantra there it is right there i did okay. right. so here's the here's the first one that we had requested uh what's the strangest thing team brooks has done in quarantine so far oh man strangest thing strangest that's an interesting uh-huh. word um, <laughs> I don't know about strangest thing we've done, but I can tell you strangest thing that has happened. Okay, all right. And that Go. is that week one of oh my goodness, I'm blushing. I don't blush often, but week <laughs> one of at home learning, I feel like I'm killing it. I'm like, all right, Mrs. Brooks, teacher, you've got this. Everyone, yeah. get your pencils ready. You know, I mean, I was like feeling so confident. And I, all my kids were in the living room sitting down quietly. It was a miracle in and of itself. And (laughs) I look over and there's a a poop on our rug. What? It was not the dogs and a poop, like a human turd on our rug. Not like a toy one. No, no, no. Like, like a, an actual poop. And I just looked at it and I was like, who's pooping? And that was the question that my mouth, I, I said with my words, whose poop is this? And all three of my boys were like, I don't know. That's weird. And I'm like, no, it's not weird. No. Like, you, don't just lose poop. you don't just misplace your poop. I don't, whose poop is this? And I never got an answer. And so we just cleaned it up and then continued with school. And I was like, man, teachers should get a big, big raise. If this, if this happens, <laughs> They deserve a million dollars because right out of the gate, somebody, we had a phantom turd. So you, you still to this day don't know who it was. No, I mean, I have my suspicions, uh-huh. but my kids uh-huh. are old enough that that shouldn't be a thing that's still happening. And so I think they were super embarrassed and tried to tell me about that. I think, I think it was like, there was an accident gone horribly wrong. But I'm still mm. confused why it was where it was. There's a, a lot of questions I think that will go unanswered. But I realize, like, okay, this was an accident. He's mortified. We need to just let yeah. it drop. But at the same time, it's on my living room rug, and so <laughs> <laughs> there's a real tension you have to live in there. Yeah, like, I don't know where to go from here. I don't. It's hard to get back to learning about topsoil or whatever we're learning about in science right yeah. now because that's all I can think about. Yeah, no, I mean, I would if I was there, I would have been like, all right, we can wrap this together. Now, soil is built from what you see on the right. <laughs> we, we would just make this happen. All right, that was good, that was good. Oh, man. Uh, all right, next one for you. Um, okay. What do you wish you would have started doing and what do you wish you would have stopped doing 10 years ago? 
looking back, like if I knew what I knew now, I think I wish I would have quit my job sooner and invested in things that I was really passionate about, which feels like a very millennial answer. Huh. But I, I think I just spent a long time trying to be somebody I wasn't or, or follow a track that I thought I was supposed to follow when really I've really come into like, okay, no, I actually really love people and I can make this into a career. Mm. Um, so I went, yeah, I wish I would have started getting involved, especially in our community sooner than I did. And I wish that I would have, if not just quit my job entirely, just gotten a different job. I stayed in the job for too long that mm. I hated. Yeah. But it was my first job out of college, and I thought that's just what work was. And looking back, I'm mm -hmm. like, no, it was just, I hated it. Yeah, yeah, and you were just fearful to cut it off? Yeah, I guess I didn't know any differently. I was like, well, man, is this being an adult? This is the worst. I mean, I, yeah. I really loved the people, but I really hated the job, and I wish that I would have um, found ways to thrive in what I was passionate about mm -hmm. instead of thinking doing what I thought I had all right, uh, you ready for this next one? Yeah. Okay. How how do you stay grounded while also being a parent right now? So what I think is behind this question is, like, what practices do you still do? How do you read as many books as you do? How do you stay in the word while you're also, like, parenting and investing in kids and you're trying to make sure everything still stays running? Like, what right. what would be, what would be uh, your answer there? really hard because I already confessed that I don't stay home well. And so being a stay at home parent, I don't feel like is my natural, I don't have a natural bent towards that. Mm -hmm. My natural thing is to go out and do all the things with all the people. And that doesn't work with the rhythm of my family all the time. So I run a lot. That is my, it's, I can tell how good or bad of a day I've had based on how fast I'm running. <laughs> Really? Um, yeah, I'll get home and I'm like, man, this was my mile time. I needed to burn that off. Yeah, wow. that is very therapeutic for me. I read a lot. So I, I don't like set out to read as much as I do. I just I read way more than I watch TV these days because honestly, I can't have voices talking at me anymore. Huh. I'm like really over human voices by the end of the day. And so yeah. I read a lot more than I watch TV just naturally because I don't, I don't want anyone else talking at me. So that's how I get to read a lot. And mm. honestly, I, I got involved and I'm still very involved in things that feed my soul. You know, so whether that's you do a Bible study at church that you're interested in, like you do something that brings you life. For me, it's volunteering with my teens. Um, that brings me such life. And I know that that would drain some people. So whatever it is that feeds your soul, you have to do something out apart from your kids. Um, mm -hmm. They are not my world. I love them so much. And I'm like their biggest champion and I will do anything and everything for them. But my world cannot be centered around them. Hmm. and it's not and so there's a lot of give or take with us you know I had a friend actually convict me recently and this is a sign of a good friend she told me she's like you're doing too much out you know you're doing too much and I was like no I'm fine it's fine I can handle it all and she goes well you might be able to but your kids can't and it's not fair to make them try and I was oh, like oh. I'm looking for a new wow. friend if anyone's interested um <laughs> wow yeah I know, but it was so that, that is and bold realized, and strong. Yeah. Oh man, it was good. She's like, yeah. this, this is not sustainable for your family rhythm. So honestly, I kind of have a natural. I actually have to make myself be home and be present more than I make myself go out and and you know. But yeah, I find things that that bring me life, or I have to get away from my house and do things for myself to remind myself like I'm my own person who can do my own things and have mm -hmm. my own passions and dreams and whatever. And that makes me a way better mom, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. when I'm able to do that. And I include them in as much as I can. Like we find things to do. We have so much fun at home, but then we also find ways to go and love others together. And that's pretty awesome too. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. 
Very cool. Wow. I, yeah, I just can't get over the whole friendship piece. That that is like that's strong and bold, and that's that that's a fruit of like having having voices in your life that you've actually set up to say those things. Oh man. So you asked earlier how um, something about the voices I allowed in my life, and that is something. Oh man. Okay, if I could go back and re-answer that question, one of the things I would add about the things you'd stop and start doing. Uh is um, I would have cut off voices. I would have started listening to to more voices that like that and stopped listening to other voices again that I thought that I had to. Um, I mean, man, it's so much of, of your sanity and your health and your, even your, you know, your spiritual life is centered on who are you listening to, including yourself? Uh Like, how are you speaking wow. to yourself? How are you thinking? And then who are you allowing in? What accounts are you following? Who, who, what narratives are you receiving every time you scroll? If they're not narratives that are getting you where you want to go, then cut them off. They're, we ain't got time mm. for that. Hmm. Oh, wow. No, that's huge. Emily P. Freeman has this, has this line in her book where she's like, which gurus do you need to quit? Cause like now in social media day, like you've got all these like people who oh spend whole lives honing on this one thing and like yes. you collect all these gurus and you try to listen to all these people who are honing in on this one thing. And she's like, you gotta right. cut them. So like, I think of that when you say that of like, that's just, yeah, that's, that's yeah, so influencers. Like, are, do mm-hmm. you actually have people who know you in your life and can speak into you? Or are you being influenced by influencers? Because that's right. a very different thing. Right. That don't, um, don't know your life or your story of where it's heading. Right. And, and are you, yeah. I mean, how at the end of a, a binge scroll, how are you feeling about yourself? Are you feeling like, man, the world is a good place. Let's do this. Are you mm-hmm. feeling energized? Um, are you feeling inspired? Are you feeling like you need to hire a second shooter to help with your selfie post? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> how is this shaping you? That's, yeah. I think we, we underestimate how powerful people's voices are in our lives. Oh my. Wow. I'm a, wow. That is, yeah, that's, that's a, yeah, that was a great reframe on the, on the question for that earlier. I think I, I like that question of just after you get done scrolling, let's do a quick gut check. Um, right. Let's send ourselves and see what, how we feel about ourselves. That would, that would probably play a huge role in what it plays social media wise or whatever it is on your heart with it. Wow. That's good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Let me, let me throw you one final question. Okay. okay. This is the question we throw to everyone. Um, so what, where are you on to in life? So what is, what's next? Is there some project coming down the pipe? Is there something you're pumped about? Is there something that you're thinking about starting to do? What, what's next for you? It's weird recording this during a pandemic because I almost feel like we're not living in real life. And so I'm having a hard time remembering my regular life. I'm like, I don't know. What season is it? What's coming up? um what year are we in uh currently I feel like I can answer that currently because I don't know that I I honestly don't have a futuristic question at this point in time my brain is so full of I'm like so all wonky um Mm. but currently we are on to um we have through this program I work with with teens in the area we are going around and celebrating these seniors in Mm. our area Mm. who have graduated and are not having a graduation. Mm. And these are kids who have overcome incredible odds. And some like we have over, over a hundred teen parents who are graduating high school. And we have other kids coming from behavioral campuses and all this kind of stuff. And over the month of May and into June, we have found all these adopters, quote unquote, who want to adopt them and celebrate them for all of their accomplishments, which is fantastic. But that is currently. Well, that's very cool. Well, thank you. Thank you, for, thank you for coming on. And also just thank you for being you and being faithful to the things that's been put in front of you so far. Um, seriously, thank you for having me. All right, friends. Isn't she the real deal? 
This has been the On to Something podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't already to be able to know who is coming up and not miss any guests that we're continuing to interview. As we've always said, the best way to keep up with the podcast is to put yourself on the email list. This is where we give you weekly updates, helpful tips, any resources people talk about, and we also try to give you some sneak peeks along the way. So if you want to get on the email list, go to our Instagram bio, type in your email, and we'll show up in your inbox. Until next time, may you remember that you are on to something.